keto, paleo, low carb, vegan, Atkins, the zone diet, the list goes on and on. And the new fad diets will continue to come and go. However, what remains the same with each of them is confusion and a constant yearning for looking and feeling your best. There is nothing wrong with wanting to strive for your best optimal health, but when it comes at the expense of your emotional health and leaves little room to focus on other priorities or keeps you wanting more, that's when issues arise. Cassandra Baker, a certified health, life, and mental health coach and public speaker, helps women trapped in unhealthy habits such as perfectionism, disordered eating, legalism, and people-pleasing to live a life free in Christ. Cassandra knows from experience that living a non-diet life focused on intuitive eating and the principles of who you are in Christ will leave you feeling a sense of freedom that no diet or number on the scale could ever bring you. So get ready to have your eyes opened and feel encouraged to say hello to a new way of living full of joy and free from the oppression of food. Let's get started. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith inspired to tackle every area of life career, faith, motherhood, loss, fitness, fashion, health, and more. Girl, we're going to meet you right where you're at, right where you need it, keeping you one step ahead of the devil, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Come on, girl, let's get it. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Faith Inspired Podcast. Today, we are talking about faith in food. The diet industry has a worth of over $78 billion, which means we are getting marketed to constantly about the biggest and best diet to be on. Keto, paleo, low carb, vegan, Atkins, the zone diet, the list goes on and the new fad diets will continue to come. All of these diets promise results to leave us happy and healthy, but the problem is that thin does not always equal healthy and the constant bombardment of food and body image can create some serious health issues physically and emotionally. So today our guest is Cassandra Baker. She knows what it's like to have a love-hate relationship with food and her body. It's her own personal experience and recovery from two eating disorders that drive her passion to encourage women to find freedom. She is a certified health, life, and mental health coach and public speaker, helping women who are trapped in unhealthy habits such as perfectionism, disordered eating, legalism, and people-pleasing, so they can live free in Christ. It is possible, ladies, and I am so thankful to have Cassandra on today to share the light. Welcome to the show, Cassandra. Hi, Erica, and to all your guests. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, thank you so, so very much to just share your heart today and then also just discuss this topic that I know is really close to everyone. It's it's tough in today's age, like I was saying, you know, it is everywhere. It is everywhere, especially on social media and the news, the biggest fad, um, the best type of nutrition and diet to feed your body. 
all of that. So um, I just really would love to jump in if we can for you to tell us about your journey and then how it really led you to where you are now. Yes, thank you. So growing up, my life looked pretty perfect or pretty good. (laughs) I grew up in a great Christian home. I have a younger sister. We're a close family. But underneath all of that, there were things going on that people couldn't see. And I started struggling with depression and anxiety probably around fifth and sixth grade. I probably also started dieting around that time and restricting food. I have a personality. I'm a highly sensitive person. I like to be in control. I'm a perfectionist. And then along with growing up in a society that says in order to be somebody, to be valuable, to be loved, to be beautiful, you have to look this way, very small, narrow way. Those all uh, created this perfect storm to develop into binge eating disorder, which started when I was in junior high. And then orthorexia, which is an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating, started when I was in my mid-20s. And so I like to describe my life during that time as living with who I call Ed and the gang. So Ed stands for my eating disorder, disorders, and then the gang represents the perfectionism, the people-pleasing legalism, control that so often go with eating struggles. And together, they just created life circumstances that were terrible. So basically, I'd like to give you a picture because for me to be able to say life was terrible, that just feels so inadequate to what my life was really like. So I'm a visual person. So let me give you a picture. Imagine me laying on the ground. I'm about 5'3". I'm not super tall, but this really big, several ton rock is laying on top of me. And it's so big that it completely covers my body. And it's so crushing that there's no space between the rock and the ground, which means that there's no oxygen, there's no light. And I can't move around. It's paralyzing. And that was what life was like day in, day out, living with Ed and the gang. It wasn't until 2011, when the Lord brought me to a Bible study as well as to a counselor who started helping me recognize some of the deeper rooted issues, wounds, and traumas in my life. So that was really the start of my recovery journey. The key was recognizing, because my perfectionism said you have to keep it all together. You can't let anyone see how much you don't have control over food and your body. And the other thing I really struggle with is, you know, I accepted Christ at the age of four. So I don't really remember life without Jesus, (laughs) but I would read in the Bible again and again, where it talked about this freedom. And I just was like, I believe that you died for my sins and so that I could be free, but I'm not living in it. And it just felt very much like he had abandoned me and I just didn't understand, but I never gave up on my faith. And at a very young age, I remember thinking and making the commitment to myself that no matter how hard it gets, how dark, how much I just want it all to end, I'm going to make the commitment that I will never give up. That even if I die in old age, still struggling with these issues, that I won't give up 
fighting for this freedom that you talk about. And that was pivotal for me because there was almost two decades where I just struggled and freedom seemed like this impossible thing. And so the fact that I never gave up was just crucial in me being able to sit here where I am today. And then as I started going through the inner healing work, the deep wound stuff, that is when the orthorexia really developed. And for the first time in my life, I started losing weight that I'd never lost before. I was a clean eater, which meant that, you know, my definition of what foods were clean. I had this list and I couldn't eat anything off this list. And people think, I don't understand healthy eating. How can that be a bad thing? But it's anything to the extreme isn't healthy. So for example, it would take me 10 hours or more a weekend to just prepare my food that I could eat. I would take food with me to parties, which meant that at a fun birthday party, I couldn't just enjoy the food and be present. Ed, in my mind, he was telling me what I could and couldn't eat and telling me that I needed to just not eat if there weren't foods that were, in his eyes, clean enough. I was really into compulsive exercising to the point where it was pretty extreme and hard on my body. But what happened was I started losing, as I started losing this weight, I started getting these compliments from people that I'd never received before saying that I looked like a new person, that I looked incredible. Wow, what was I doing? And all of a sudden I was getting all this attention and praise for being quote unquote healthy. But the problem was, is while I know that these comments were well-intentioned, what they really did was fuel Ed, because what Ed heard was, see, I told you that if you'd be thinner and in a smaller body, you would be liked more, you'd be more beautiful. And these people are confirming that. And so it just really fueled the eating disorder. And so I went further and further into it. And of course, I had reached that size that I had told myself, oh, if you get there, then you'll be happy. But of course, it wasn't enough. I still wasn't happy. I still wasn't content. And so I had to restrict more and exercise harder. And my whole life was consumed with what I was going to eat, when I was going to eat, and working out to be able to keep the size. And then one day in July of 2014, I experienced the first of four traumatic brain injuries within a two year time frame. And in one moment, one instant, my whole life was changed. My abilities to do the basic things in life, like get out of bed and go to work, were a struggle and sometimes impossible. So it was definitely impossible to be able to do these eating disorder behaviors to say that size. And here I had thought that I'd reach freedom because I was in a smaller body. But all of a sudden, when I couldn't do those behaviors anymore, Ed was not happy. He was definitely going crazy and not able to handle the inability to do the behaviors. And so all of a sudden, I started asking questions like, well, maybe I'm not. Am I not really free? And during that time, then I came across intuitive eating. As soon as I read about intuitive eating, I just knew this was different than any diet I'd ever read about or any approach to food. And I knew that I wanted to do it. So I decided to try. Well, when you're coming from an eating disorder 
and going to the other end of the spectrum to a healthy relationship with food, with like with intuitive eating, it feels like jumping off a cliff without a parachute. <laughs> and so while I tried it, it was it created even more angst originally because I just didn't know it was going from one extreme to the other. And so I realized I needed help. And for the first time, really was willing to admit that I needed help and reached out to an eating disorder specialist dietitian. And so I started working with her and I actually got diagnosed. And so the Lord built this multidisciplinary team to help walk me through recovery. Because the thing was, my perfectionism and my shame said I had to get myself out from underneath that ton rock on top of me, which represented Ed and the gang, that it was me, my hard work, my striving, my performance that would do it. But that was a lie from the enemy because ultimately, because of the depth of my struggle with food and body image issues, I didn't have the education, the resources, or the tools to be able to get out from underneath that. And so a big step in freedom was really finally admitting that I needed help and I had to tell people. And so this team came around me and they had the tools to be able to start chipping away at this rock. And as they chipped away and we did the work, the rock got smaller. Like I would see a crack of light and experience oxygen and I didn't feel quite as crushed. And, you know, I, I talked about how I felt so abandoned and Oftentimes, like I didn't understand why the Lord wasn't doing anything. Why wouldn't he just lift this rock off off of me? Because I I know he could. But the first thing that I saw when I really was able to see have some space underneath that rock was that Jesus was actually crushed between me and the rock. When I opened my eyes, we were face to face. He was right there. He was the one that was telling me not to give up. He was the one that was with me and why I didn't just abandon my faith. And it was just life-changing to recognize that even in those darkest moments that he was there, even though I couldn't see him or hear him, that didn't change the truth that he was there. He also showed me that because of the trauma of living underneath such heavy weight of Ed and the gang, that my body wouldn't have been able to deal with the trauma of it all coming off at one time. It had to come off slow, which was very painful, but it was doable that way versus just coming off at one time. And so it's really exciting because it took years, but now I live in the place where I'm no longer under Ed and the gang. It was a process, right? Once the rock came off, then it was like I needed to go to the hospital and have a lot of attention and care. And then I went to the step-down unit, right? Because I didn't need as much attention. And then one day I was discharged. And I can't emphasize enough how slow, long, and painful it really was, but it was worth all the pain and agony of going through recovery to be where I'm at today. And recovery for me actually meant weight gain because it took 
an eating disorder for me to be in a smaller body. And so thinner is not always healthier when it requires eating disorder or disordered eating behaviors. And as I did this work, I was able to recognize that there's actually research out there to show why diets fail and why we keep going in this cycle. So it was just so freeing to recognize and see the lies for what they were. And then the last kind of part of recovery was really addressing the idolatry of the beauty idol is what I call it, right? Being thin and looking a certain way as to what society says. And so life was so hard, but now it's just such a joy because now I get to work with other women who are where I was and I can help be part of their team that chips away at their gang that's crushing them so that they can also walk free. And so what a joy it is that I'm here. It's a miracle. And I say, if it's possible for me, it's possible for other people. And that's why I share my story. How beautiful. How beautiful. It's just amazing how God really does that for us. He takes our shame. He takes our pain and really turns it around so we can help others. So I'm just so glad that you're at that point in your life. And thank you so much for sharing that story. When you were talking through it, it made me think that this message resonates so well with so many different types of women for so many different reasons. Me personally, you know, I did deal with an eating disorder when I was younger. And it's funny that you mentioned around fifth or sixth grade, because that's when mine hit, mm-hmm. which is so scary because you think at fifth and sixth grade, you feel like you're a little bit older than what you are. And you look at fifth and sixth graders and they're just babies and they're <laughs> just, you know, they are, they're just babies. And, you know, they're being so influenced by the marketing and, and all this advertising. And I think, you know, as we get older, we become a little more in tune and can be, I guess, a little more smart about it. But at the same time, when you, when you were talking about how you would go to parties and bring your own food, I mean, I've been guilty of doing that as an adult because I wanted to stick on, you know, the keto diet or the paleo diet or whatever it was. And I think there's a difference. I do have to say for individuals who might have like gluten sensitivities or some kind of food sensitivities, like you of course need to bring your own food to make sure that you're keeping your body healthy. You know, your body needs something specific that others might not get affected by. But if you're doing it just for dieting purposes and to stay on a strict diet, like I was, you know, as an adult, like that was just an eye opener when you said that, like bringing your own food for me, I would like pat my own back, like be like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have that piece of cake or I didn't have those chips or I didn't have that. But then that did leave me looking back, feeling a little anxious during the parties, not feeling, I think as happy as I could have been during those times, you know, I was feeling fulfilled because it's a false fulfillment because I was sticking to just like you, I'm a perfectionist. And like, I need to like, when I make a goal, I'm going to reach that goal. Like it's going to happen. Nothing's going to deter me. So I was happy because I like, didn't falter from that. But looking back, was I really, truly happy for making those decisions? So it's really, really interesting when you were talking about the orthorexia and how there's probably different varying degrees of that and how women may not even realize that they're kind of maybe under a little bit of that oppression given the the diet that they're on today. So you had mentioned intuitive eating, which I'm super, super interested in. Um, I've been reading a little bit more about it lately because it seems like something that will get you out from underneath that diet 
rock, as you had said. So can you give us a little background on what intuitive eating is and what the concept is and explain really what it means? Yes. I'd like to start with explaining what I call the eating spectrum, because I think that'll help. So imagine on one side, you have a full-blown diagnosable eating disorder. And then on the other, you have a healthy relationship with food and we can move to different points on this spectrum at different points in our life, depending on probably what's happening. But in the middle is the disordered eating. And so, you know, we can be moving towards an eating disorder or away from, and 75% of American women struggle with disordered eating. And so if you're listening, you're like, I don't have an eating disorder. That doesn't necessarily mean that this message can't also be an encouragement and helpful to you because disordered eating can still cause some of the side effects that one would experience with an eating disorder. And disordered eating and dieting is actually one of the biggest indicators and contributors to leading to eating disorders. Intuitive eating is a non diet, weight neutral, internal approach to food and our body in regards to how we take care of it in that how God uniquely created us versus a diet, which is an external plan telling your body how you need to eat. When a diet is telling our body how to eat, that diet doesn't know, for example, when I, after I had my TBIs, I got something called dysautonomia, which changes how my body communicates to tell me how I'm hungry. And so it changed my body. It also, the diet doesn't take into effect one's age, right? As we age, things change in our body. And so think about how God created every person's body different. And so what one person needs, another person might not need. Yet a diet is a very strict plan telling a whole group of people, right? A society that this is the way that your body should perform and do. And so when I thought about that, I was like, that just doesn't make sense. And, you know, if we would have two people eat the same things and exercise the same amount, they're still at the end of a year of doing that, they're going to be at different body sizes because God is a creator of big and small. Psalm 104, 25 tells us that he is the creator of big and small animals. And so when we look at creation all around us, he's a God of diversity and uniqueness. So why then did I believe that God would really create all women to be one specific size? because there's nowhere else in creation that shows that he, he really does that. And so why am I trying to fit into a mold when God created my body differently? And so that was so freeing to recognize that I can take care of my body. And just because my body is at a different size than it was during the eating disorder, that doesn't mean I'm unhealthy but society does. And so that's hard to go against the grain. I'm more healthy now than I've ever been in my life, right? Because I'm living life without an eating disorder. And mm -hmm. that also includes like on the binge eating side, right? Like when we eat in ways that are mindless and consuming large amounts of food without listening to our body, that also is not honoring and glorifying to God. And so what 
I am so passionate about is helping women learn how to listen and observe and raise awareness of how did God create your body? So how can we take care of that uniquely? And that's going to be different for every person. Wow. Really good. I love that. I know it's not one size fits all. It can't be, it just can't be. And like, for me personally, like I'm pregnant right now. So it's life's a little different right now, eating wise for me, you know, I have to add a few (laughs) extra calories to my day. And normally I'm not someone who consumes a ton of protein. I was actually vegetarian for almost 20 years of my life. And I ended up going to being a meat eater again, just because my body wasn't reacting very well. I was just really tired for not eating meat. And so I chose that. So mine was more, um, the vegan was more for health reasons rather than the animal reasons just for me in particular. So I started eating meat, but even then I'm one who likes to mix it in with things and kind of hide it and really flavor it up. Cause I just honestly don't really like it. I never have since I was a kid. My mom told me that, but now being pregnant, it's like, I have to make myself eat those things because it's for the health of my baby. And so I have to be very mindful of, you know, switching my mentality around eating right now that, you know, it's not just about me and, um, I have to make sure that I'm fueling my body to fuel my baby. And so, yeah, just, it's not one size fits all it's every season is different. And yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. So with intuitive eating, what are some ways, you know, you've explained it a little bit, but really like what, what are the practical ways to implement intuitive eating? And what are some questions that we can ask ourselves to get started? To get started, I would recommend checking out the book Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Reich. They also have a workbook that you can buy to go along with it. So the book is really about learning about intuitive eating and the science. There's over 125 research studies showing the benefits of intuitive eating. So this is there's science behind this too. And then the workbook would be really helpful as far as like actually implementing it. And I encourage people, like if they just have any interest, do the research, you know, don't just take my word for it. Read these books. Health at Every Size by Linda Bacon is also another resource I recommend. Now I will say and give a disclaimer that while I agree with their approach to eating, I don't endorse some of their worldviews. They are not Christians. But as with anything, whether it's Christian or non-Christian that we're reading or taking in information, I just really encourage you to take it and line it up and filter it through the Word of God. But I'm really excited because a good friend of mine, Aaron, and a co-host, Charlie, they've started a podcast called Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. And they take these principles and they put it through the Christian worldview and from that perspective. And so I highly recommend checking out their podcast. They also have a intuitive eating starter kit that if you sign up on their website for it's free, that would be practical ways to start implementing with a Christian worldview. So this would probably be the first things if you just have some interest in it. A couple things to keep in mind, if you are someone that has an eating disorder or are moving towards that way, I really recommend that you start by working with someone who's certified eating disorder specialist because eating disorders are complex. They are both biological and psychological 
they take a very unique approach. And so I really recommend that if you get the professional help, though, make sure you're checking that person has the eating disorder training and specialty. Because what happens is so often the medical profession actually is a perpetrator of the disordered eating because people go to the doctor, the doctor recommends diets, which basically are putting women on restriction. And that restriction leads to disordered eating. And so it's really important. Intuitive eating is actually a common approach now for eating disorder recovery centers to use. So it's well-respected in that field as well. But I work with a lot of women who wouldn't have maybe a full diagnosable eating disorder, but they've been dieting for so many years and they've have such a dysfunctional relationship with food that they really need someone to help them take small steps and someone coach them, keep them accountable. So if that's you, then reaching out with someone who, like myself, has the skills to be able to take those smaller steps, but you don't need the professional level help might be something to consider as well. Awesome. Really cool. Are there, I know we had talked before, there were specific questions that you kind of ask yourself when you're going through things, um, when you're like, I know you had the story about the Oreos and you know how you had allowed yourself to eat Oreos because you had asked yourselves a series of questions. Can you kind of walk through what those questions are that you ask yourself? You know, am I hungry? What am I craving? How does this taste? Those kind of questions. There's 10 principles to intuitive eating, rejecting diet mentality, honoring your hunger, feeling your fullness, making peace with food. There is a gentle nutrition aspect. There's a movement part of it. And so these principles really start allowing you to start asking your questions. And so when people say, I don't know, like I need I need rules around food because I don't know how to like not have rules because I need mm-hmm. that control. And everyone's worst fear is like, I'm going to do this and then I'm just going to gain all this weight and balloon up kind of thing. So I like to share, like you mentioned, my Oreo story as proof because I had the same concerns as well. And I love double stuffed Oreos. They were my favorite. <laughs> they were my binge food. People get them for me for like Christmas. <laughs> um I just love them. So of course, when I started recovery, my dietitian encouraged me that whenever I wanted or craved Oreos to have them. And because I loved Oreos, I would have them quite frequently. But the thing is, is we think when we have the freedom to eat all foods and have full permission is that we're going to go crazy. But if I have permission to eat Oreos at every meal, it's not going to take too long before they don't taste the same, right? Like Mm -hmm. you don't want ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Your body is going to tell you that you need other things. And then when you have permission, like I could eat Oreos the next day if I wanted to, I would start to say, you know what? My body is feeling full and I can have this tomorrow. So I can choose to continue to eat these, but I know that I'm going to feel stuffed. And then oftentimes then my stomach doesn't feel good. And then I'll just, then it kind of negatively spirals from there, negative self-talk. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop. I'm not going to keep going. 
And I was just so amazed at how when I had permission to have it the next day, it took away that last meal mentality, right? Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be able to eat this again. So I have to eat it all tonight. (laughs) Yeah, I'll start on Monday and I'll eat everything today. (laughs) And over time, what I came to realize is I really, there's a satisfaction factor, a, a principle for that too. I realized that as I observed the taste in my mouth and how my body felt afterwards, that the Oreos had a very chemical taste. And so 10 years ago, if you would have told me that I wouldn't like to eat double stuffed Oreos plain by themselves, I would have not believed you. That would have been impossible. But now I can have double stuffed Oreos in my freezer and not even think about that at all, them at all. And in fact, I, I would wouldn't even like want one, but I have found that I do love Oreos in different desserts. And so I have them around because of that, because I like to put them in other desserts, but I don't have this loss of control. I don't have this obsessive thinking. And that's one of the best parts about freedom from disordered eating and the eating disorders is I have space now in my head to think about things other than food and my body. And that's what freedom really looks like. Because I always thought freedom meant the smaller body. It was worth every pound that I gained to lose the weight of the bondage of the eating disorder. Oh, so beautiful. And I can relate to that. It's just such a freedom to not think about food all the time. There's a period in my life, like I said, when I was younger, that's All I would think about what I was going to eat in the day, what I wasn't going to eat in the day, when I was going to work out, how much I was going to work out. And now being free from that, I don't really think about it. I am intentional about putting healthy things in my body because I do believe that God wants us to put healthy things in our body, but he also wants us to enjoy the things in life that we crave and that we're passionate about, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you're passionate about food or passionate about desserts, he wants you to enjoy those. And I think too, just being intuitive about how your body is reacting. Like you had said, you know, you started to understand that, oh, I don't actually really like that taste or I don't like how that makes me feel. Like I used to on the weekends have ice cream all the time, like at least Mm -hmm. once on the weekends. And I would eat it kind of late because, you know, I have a kiddo and I would want to eat it like after he goes to bed. And then I would realize I'd wake up in the morning and just kind of feel like I had this sugar hangover. And I was like, I I really enjoy this, but at the same time, I don't enjoy how it makes me feel later. So now I make the choice to have it like during the day, a little bit earlier. So it doesn't affect me as much, or, you know, I just make those decisions based off of like, you know, how do I want to like show up today? And it's not that I have to have that ice cream because I'm going to deprive myself during the week. Like now I'm like, okay, it used to be just on weekends that I would allow myself if I want to have it on Wednesday, because it seems like the perfect opportunity and I'm craving it, that I'm going to allow myself to have it. That freedom from, like you said, allowing yourself to have space to think about so many other things in life other than food, because yeah, I can just feel like such, such a trap for sure. Mm -hmm. So you had mentioned that, you know, Definitely, if you are struggling with an actual eating disorder, to reach out to somebody who is a professional and find somebody that's specialized specifically in that type of eating disorder. For those of the individuals who may not have 
an eating disorder, but are feeling like, okay, this is resonating with me. It actually does have a little bit of a control over me more than I think I want it to have. How does one find a support group or what are things that they should look for in finding people to surround themselves with? Um, What should they consider? I think one thing that's important to know is a lot of people like to make intuitive eating into a diet. So online and when you're coming across different things, you really want to make sure that true intuitive eating is a non-diet weight neutral. So it's not going to be about weight loss. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that someone won't lose weight, but the point is that you're taking care of your body in the way that God created you and the weight falls where the weight falls. So making sure that it's truly intuitive eating Intuitive Eating for Christian Women, I know that they're on Facebook and have a community there. But then I also would recommend making sure that, or just like educate themselves and start observing where they're hearing what I call diet culture, like all around us. And we know that diet culture is kind of around us, but now there's something called wellness culture where it's, oh, I'm, and this is me. I'm not on a diet. I'm just eating healthy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Totally. If it's about trying to get your body to fit into a cultural determined size, then that's not going to be healthy because if we're focusing on weight loss, then we're not going to really give ourselves full permission to eat. There's a couple other books that I recommend. Heather Creekmore's book, Compared to Who, was pivotal when it came to dealing and addressing the body image aspect and recovery. And then Timothy Keller's book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, was vital because we oftentimes are told in our society, like, you determine your worth and your value and think highly of yourself and think positive and then you'll be somebody. But Keller talks about how what really matters is that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians where he says, it doesn't actually matter what you think about me, but it also doesn't matter what I think about myself. So all those years that I emotionally and verbally abuse myself with my self-talk, that actually doesn't matter. What I think about my body doesn't ultimately matter. Paul says, what matters is what Christ says about us. And if we are a child of God, then that is what our identity is from. And because ultimately everything in this life that will we will eventually lose. And so It really is about addressing the idols. What are we prioritizing and putting above God? It's important to take care of our bodies. But if we're saying that it's more important than what God says about us, then that's idol worship. And so true freedom comes, Keller says, by not thinking more of myself. And that was me like going through the grocery line during the orthorexia thinking, look at me, look at all these amazing fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. I am like this holier than now. It's very humbling and embarrassing to admit, but that pride is not the heart of God and what he wants for us. But then also it's not about thinking less of ourselves because that is still self-focus, right? When I was at the point where the things I said about myself are things that I would never 
ever say about anyone else, right? Mm -hmm. And so what the key is, not thinking more or less of ourselves, but just thinking about ourselves less. When we go about our lives, our thoughts and our thinking don't revolve everything about me. And that's true freedom. So I really encourage to also check out those resources as well. And to recognize that this is a process. What each of us needs to really walk through freedom is going to look different. And so I just really encourage you to ask the Lord, what community, what space do you want me to go to? What are you saying about this? And to sit and to just really learn how to be still. Because one of the things that was so pivotal in recovery was learning how to what I call swim in the gray because diets say all or nothing. It's black or white. You're good or you're bad. Well, I messed up. Well, forget it. I'm just going to swing all the way to the other side and eat everything in sight, right? Mm-hmm. But swimming in the gray is learning how, you know what? I ate a little bit more than what I wanted to, but I'm not going to keep going. So I'm going to stop now. And so learning how to swim in that gray and then doing what I call being kind to Cass or BKT, whatever your first initial is, raising awareness around who are our gang members and recognizing and separating ourselves because I thought I was Ed in the gang. I was that shame. That was my identity. And so recovery meant really being able to separate myself. And so in this freedom, we definitely need to learn and be involved in the intuitive eating community. But then we also need to ask the Lord, what are the other aspects that are coming in and complicating my issue with food? Because ultimately, when we're struggling with food and body image, those are the unhealthy behaviors that are really just showing us that there's stuff underneath going on that needs to be addressed. So it's important to make sure that you're reaching out to maybe professional counselors or other areas that might be supportive as well. So community in this journey is going to be multifaceted and different for everyone. But two things, always first make sure that what you're hearing and listening to lines up with what the word of God says. And then two, learning about intuitive eating and what it truly means to be able to filter out the communities that are talking about intuitive eating, but they're really bringing in diet culture as well. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This has been just so eye-opening and I think probably just really, really freeing for the women who have been listening. I know for me, just more affirming of the life that God has been blessing me with in these years as I've been getting older and freeing me from my own eating disorder and disordered eating, Mm -hmm. the two different ones, which is eye-opening how you just put that too, how it's so different. And then you like to support women as well. So I want to give an opportunity, you know, you've been talking about, you know, other resources, which are fantastic. And I'll be putting all these books that Cassandra recommended in the show notes, but you have a business yourself where you like to support women as well. So can you share a little bit about, you know, how you can support our listeners and where they can find you for support in this area? Yes. So it was my dream in college to help other women live free. Of course, I was trapped under that rock with Ed and the gang and didn't know how to help other people. And so it was so exciting in 2018 when the Lord opened the door for me to create and start authenticity and grace. And 
I do this through both coaching, one-on-one coaching, as well as publicly speaking, sharing my story. I think that's a really important aspect because women don't even know that there's a different alternative. Like freedom from food is going to require that we don't approach it from a diet culture based on my study of eating disorders as well as diets. And so I want women to just know that there's another alternative that they can explore. And a lot of women are able to take that information and then be able to implement into their lives. But for the woman who reads this information, is excited about it, but then so overwhelmed and feels paralyzed by like, well, where do I start? Then I love working one-on-one with women to help because as we go through this process, different things come up. Like, for example, at the beginning of the process, oftentimes we are going to eat foods that we've restricted. So to start out with, you might be not eating foods that you would really consider healthy as much, but that's part of the process. Like you can't get to the freedom unless you give yourself full permission. And so, but what happens is after you give yourself that full permission, then you realize that you don't always have to be, you don't crave that food the same way. So what I basically do as a coach is I like take a couple steps, I'm a couple steps ahead, take hold of your hand and I help walk you across this river that has certain uh, spots that you need to step in order to get across to freedom. And so I work not only in regards to food and oftentimes with clients, what we find is that I start working with food and then we address the other stuff that's going on. So I do that one-on-one and you can find me at CassandraBaker.com. And I do spell Cassandra with a K. And then you can email me at info at CassandraBaker.com. If you go to my website, I do offer a complimentary coaching session. If you just have some interest in what it would look like to work with me, there's no obligation and there's no charge. So I encourage you, if you have any interest in what that would look like and like to experience coaching, And even if we don't work together, I often find that women after that session have the practical steps to be able to say, okay, I'm going to go and start implementing these. They just kind of need someone to help them get started. And I'm happy to do that with what I call the breaking free strategy session. And then the other thing, of course, like I mentioned, is public speaking, sharing my story through podcasts and in-person events and just raising awareness and educating other women to know that this is an alternative. Well, thank you, Cassandra, so very much. This is, like I said, very eye-opening. I just um, appreciate, and I'm sure the listeners appreciate you sharing your story and opening your heart and sharing that light of really where God can you know, shed freedom on an area where the world is telling us something different. And so just so very thankful for you today to share your wisdom and experience. And I do encourage listeners to reach out to Cassandra. Like she said, I will put all that info in the show notes, but she is a wealth of knowledge and a really good place to start if you need to start, like she said. So thank you again, Cassandra. So, so great to have you and many blessings to you in, in the years ahead. And I hope that the women um, who are listening to this feel so very encouraged and I know that they will. Thank you, Erica. And it's so exciting for me to hear how the Lord has really brought you on this journey too, without you even realizing it. Yeah. (laughs) 
so I know, I know. It, that's just been like, like I said, I open and keep saying it. Sorry, <laughs> but it really is. You know, he. Um, looking back, it's always you know hindsight twenty twenty. You see things right. and just how he's been bringing me through this intuitive eating journey without me putting a label on it and really understanding that. But yeah, just a a sense of freedom there too. And so if listeners as well want to reach out to me and have questions, you know, I don't have it from the background of where I am accredited or anything like that, but I do have a personal experience with it. And so if you just, you know, want to send a direct message my way just to get encouraged as well, feel free. We are in this together. We are a community. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. We are all living um, through our own struggles and we need to support each other in that. So please do reach out to either one of us. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Congratulations to saying yes to yourself. Fill it up your cup, feed in your soul. If you want more, head over to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the goodies mentioned in today's podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep you faith inspired.